Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder... Sometimes all a cold case needs is one person's dogged pursuit for answers to finally be solved. On December 7th, 1954, a woman was born who would suddenly disappear in 1980. A woman whose case went cold until her daughter, with the help of others, fought and pushed for information that finally brought one man to justice. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Helen Marlene Major, born Helen Oakes on December 7th, 1954, was married to a man named Bill Major and was living in a trailer in the tiny Kentucky town of Verona. Bill, born on January 6th, 1944, was a good bit older than his wife, worked in auto repair, and was described by his own father as a, quote, charmer who could, quote, talk the pants off anybody. He also said, however, that, quote, you couldn't believe a word he said. Though not a lot is known about Helen, who preferred to go by Marlene, prior to the tragic event on October 11th, 1980, we do know that by that same year, all the shiny newness of her nine-year marriage had worn completely off. And looking for something new, she fell into bed with a man named Glenn St. Hilaire. A former welder who lived in his camper on the couple's property, according to what Glenn later told the media, Bill actually encouraged the affair and might have been in an affair himself with a different local woman. Things took a turn for the worse, however, when Marlene, around this time, wrote in her diary that she witnessed her husband sexually assaulting their son. Bill had, back in 1975, been convicted of molesting two young boys, and Marlene, unwilling to sit by and let her son become a victim, started to make plans to take both of her children away from their father. Bill allegedly told his wife that, if she ever did leave him, 
he would murder her and even went as far as to detail out the steps that he would take to make sure her body was unidentifiable. With a hell of a lot of courage, Marlene gave Glenn all of her diaries just in case and told Bill that if he did not agree to sign the divorce papers, she would make the abuse public knowledge. Writing that if he changed his mind, she would tell her mother-in-law, she then told her sister about the plans and all about what he did to their son. She did what she felt was necessary for her survival and for the protection of her children, but on October 11th, 1980, with some sources claiming the 15th, Glenn overheard the pair arguing and, after stepping out for a moment to cool off and get some coffee, he returned and found that the home was in complete disarray. He never saw Marlene Major ever again. When asking about the woman who he had been in a relationship with, Bill told Glenn that she left him and took the children with her. In reality, Bill had already dropped the kids off at a neighbor's residence and had given several firearms to another neighbor while expressing his desire to move back to where he was originally from, Rhode Island. Two days later, when Glenn learned about Bill's lies, he claimed he knew Marlene would never simply leave the kids behind with their father, and worried, he went ahead and called the local police. Arriving at the home and speaking with Bill Major, police noticed pretty quickly how his story changed with each and every retelling. Unable to keep the details straight, telling Glenn she took the kids and left, but telling a neighbor she went off with Glenn, Bill allegedly told his own children, just four and eight at the time, that their mother was a sex worker who ran off and didn't really care about them. Raising a lot of red flags, police noticed that none of Marlene's stuff was missing, except for her vehicle. All her clothing was still in the house, all her personal belongings, and even her driver's license sat there completely untouched. That's around the time that Glenn showed them her diaries, but though they acknowledged the details might have served as a motive for her disappearance, there were no signs of foul play in the trailer. With not enough for a murder charge despite suspicions, Marlene's dental records were submitted to agencies whenever a woman's body matching her description was located. With both her husband and lover denying any involvement in her disappearance and Bill refusing to sit down for a polygraph test, the case started to grow cold. Moving his children to Rhode Island, abandoning the family dog along the way, Bill settled in an area known for its high crime rate and often brought one of the children with him to work so he could abuse them. While Marlene's children were, according to the sources, living in complete hell, on November 29, 1981, a partial skull with missing teeth was found just a mile away from the major property by a hunter. Though it would remain unidentified for years, they were able to determine that the skull belonged to a white female in her 30s and the cause of death was multiple gunshot wounds. Though they suspected from the beginning that the skull belonged to Helen Marlene Oakes, Without teeth, they were having a hard time getting a definitive answer, and eventually, traditional nuclear DNA testing became impossible due to the deteriorated condition of the bone. Unable to do anything else with the case, things came to a halt, and Bill Major, though still a person of interest, met a new woman and remarried. A move that, in the long run, ended up placing him right in the center of the investigation. Unable to stand it anymore, Bill's children confided in their new stepmother, 
identified only as Pauline in the media, and told her all about the beatings and sexual abuse that they had suffered over the years. They also said he would coerce them into obedience by threatening to kill their other sibling if they didn't listen. Pauline, horrified by what she was hearing, confronted Bill, and when he didn't stop, she reported the abuse to the police in 1984. Days later, Bill threatened his daughter at gunpoint and told her to, quote, keep her mouth shut. He was arrested and convicted in 1985. Sentenced to 15 years behind bars, Bill was released after just 12. And somewhere amid all of this mess, he managed to marry for a third time to a woman named Claire Bailey. Believing he was in prison for an armed robbery conviction, Bill began life all over with his children now living with their maternal grandmother. Then, shortly after his release, he was due to face additional charges from the Kentucky officials, but due to the statute of limitations and insufficient evidence, further action was not possible, even after two more boys came forward claiming they were assaulted by Bill Major. Now in the custody of Lorraine Oaks, who always suspected that Bill was responsible for her daughter's disappearance, she told her granddaughter all about her suspicions, and the young girl went to confront her father. Demanding to know where her mother's body was, Lalana promised her father that she would not seek any legal action if she could just give Marlene a proper burial. He responded, If you think I'm going to tell you where your mother is buried, you're crazy. Determined to bring justice to her family, Lalana began an investigation on her own, and when she was 20 years old, the Boone County Police gave her full access to their files on Marlene's case. She began interviewing witnesses, searching for the remains, and began reading all of the details her mother wrote in her personal diary, including the fact that she told her sister, as well as Glenn St. Hilaire, that if something happened to her, to use her own written words to point suspicion towards her husband. The pages contained details about the sexual abuse suffered by her brother, that he had been molested for the last four to five years, and that she planned on using what she knew to get a divorce and take her children away from Bill. She also learned that the skull had been found near her old homestead and went to go dig in the area herself to see if she could find anything of use. Though she came up empty-handed, Lalana persisted with the promise that one day she would be able to tell the world that her mother didn't abandon them that someone instead ripped her away. When forensic scientists developed mitochondrial DNA testing, Lilana began fundraising for the $20,000 lab fee, and before her aunt could donate her entire retirement fund, something she offered to sacrifice for her sister, the state of Kentucky finally stepped in and decided to pay for the answers. Everything was submitted for testing, and at its conclusion, it determined that Lalana was maternally related to whoever the skull belonged to. Now, while the DNA caused the case to heat up, things pushed on a little faster when Bill Major's father came forward and said that his son confessed to murdering Marlene when he was in prison serving time for the molestation charges. Absolutely disgusted, though the information on its own was not enough for an arrest, he agreed to let the police tap his phone and made a call to his son. Admitting to the murder in a recorded call, Bill Major was arrested on June 25th, 2001, and formally charged that July. Though he later told police that he felt no remorse, his defense team stated that the stroke he suffered in 1995 caused him to become, quote, delusional, and therefore his words should only be taken at face value. 
He then began blaming Marlene for her own murder, claiming she threatened him with a gun and in a fit of rage, he shot her twice in the face and four times in the torso. But in the end, no one was buying his story. After just 40 minutes of deliberation, the jury came back and found Bill Major guilty of murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Though no source was certain about his current whereabouts, there are some that claim that Bill died in prison on October 15th, 2017. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on December 8th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.